Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever walked into a public area and seen so many strange people and you said, where am I? Maybe you walked down the aisle in Walmart one day and you said, wow, interesting people here today. Has anybody ever walked down any store and said, where am I? What is happening right now? You ever thought to yourself, some people just don't care how they go out and how they look when they go out. They're just out. And they're not just one of them. There's not just two of them. There's legions of them. You ever wonder that? You see the crowds and you think, where am I? And sometimes we see crowds and we see massive people and we don't know how to handle people sometimes. Yes? Sometimes we're... Uh, listen, I, I want to tell you something real quick. I want you to understand something. I, I'm a social person in a lot of ways. But sometimes being around too many people is overwhelming, to say the least. Because if your goal is to talk to everybody in the room, and half those people are strange, or strangers by not knowing them, or overwhelming, there comes a point where you say, I'm not sure I want to be in the room right now. And you kind of taper off. And that's me in a lot of ways. I, I love in a room like this where I know a bunch of people, right? And I love, I love to be able to have a few moments. Hey, take five minutes and talk with some people. I love to get down and just talk with some people, see how everybody's doing. But my wife laughs because she's like, I'd like to sit down and talk with one person for an extended period of time. Yet you, me, want to fly around to everybody. She calls me a social butterfly. I don't like the butterfly statement. I, I think something more masculine. You need to work on that a little bit. Give me something a little more. A what? A bat? That's... We'll edit that in post. Um, I'm not sure that's meant. In fact, that animal brings out the feminine side ah! of most people. Steve, don't laugh at me, man. Don't laugh at me, brother. Okay, we'll, we'll move on quickly because I'm not sure if I was insulted or... Okay. But I, she laughs because I, I, I want to be around and I want to talk to everybody in the room. I want to check out how everybody's doing. And sometimes that can also be overwhelming because when you're in a room and you realize that so many people have so many issues, you want to help them, but you can't. That's hard. Can I tell you as a pastor, can I just tell you honestly, I can't read your mind when you're going through something. I can't read your life as your pastor. I want to help you. Our leadership wants to help you. But please know that we're not superhuman. We can't read your mind. We can't fix everything. 
We know someone who can. So if you have an, ever have an issue in your life, don't assume that we know. Can I ask you that? Don't assume that we know. We want to help you. But realize that we also carry a burden of doing our best to help as many people as possible on a daily basis. Sometimes that can be overwhelming. In your life, there are times that you too may feel overwhelmed because Jesus himself was overwhelmed. Do you realize that Jesus felt overwhelmed sometimes? You think, no, there's no way. He's Jesus. No, he was fully God and fully man. That means the fully man part always struggled when there was someone that was, that was not able to hit their full potential. So here's what I'm talking about. We respond to crowds and sometimes in coldness and in apathy. Is that right? Sometimes when we're in a crowd of people, we're like, man, those people are, and those people are, and we kind of label people, and that's dangerous, right? Because Jesus never did that. Now, what's interesting is the times that he might have gotten really close is when he got around religious people. Not the, listen, not the sinners. The time where he gets really close to judging groups of people is when he got around people that claim to know the truth. So what is that to us? Well, that's a little bit of an indictment to the church in that sometimes we think we know everybody. We think we know everybody's situation, but we don't. Is that right? You don't know what somebody's been through. There's somebody in your row right now, in your aisle, in your column right now, in your area that has been through something this week. You have no idea what they've been through. You have no idea what the struggle they've been through. Oh, you know some things. There's some you may know because some of them are not afraid to post it on social media. I had a bad week. This person cut me off. You ever had one of those weeks where people just cut you off and you're like, I want to tell the world how angry I am right now. Well, some people just... They're not afraid to tell others. Then others, they keep it inside. Never telling anybody the struggle that they go through. I want to tell you something. I believe that there are many times that we can be cold about the world because we believe it's a heart issue. When you're cold to the rest of the world, there's a heart issue there. We should have the heart of who? Christ Jesus, right? We should have the heart of Christ when we do whatever we do. In fact, Philippians tells us something interesting. Philippians 2.5 tells us you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So what am I talking about this morning? I want to bring a message entitled, No Matter What, Drawing the Compassion of Christ. No matter what. No matter what. Now, when we think about no matter what, if we're being honest with ourselves, that the very interest, we would be very interested to know that we are often uncomfortable when people say, no matter what, we need you to show up, rain or shine, show up, because you're thinking, I can't control the environment. I'm going to love you no matter what. Will you love me no matter what? Well, sometimes we can get uncomfortable with that. Will you stay with this job no matter what? Two years, you got to be on this job before you can get a promotion. No matter what, you got to stay on if you want a promotion. Well, but you haven't started the job yet, so you don't know what you're in for. 
We get uncomfortable when there's, when there's no out. Are you following what I'm saying? When there's no outlet to say, you know what, here's my clause. If something goes wrong, I can get it out, right? But when something is straight, no matter what, this is where we're at, this is how it goes, we get uncomfortable. But oftentimes, the truth is, we're being asked to believe God no matter what, right? We're being asked to serve God no matter what. We're being asked to give to God no matter what. And that makes some people very uncomfortable. Because the moment we feel like my interest does not matter, we want to bail. We want our interest to be met before anybody's interests are met. So what am I talking about? Sometimes it's easy to trust God for a prayer request until it's not met. Then all of a sudden we kind of turn. Like, God, man, you didn't need it. Or to serve God with your talent until it's not acknowledged anymore. Sometimes it's easy to give to God in your finances until that bill is due or vacation's coming. Right? So we want to out. We want to give ourselves an out. But you know who didn't give themselves an out? Jesus. In fact, in Matthew, turn there if you would. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Turn there for a moment because in many cases, people matter until something costs them something. We say, you know what? Missions matters. Yes? How many would raise your hand if you say missions matters? Right? You say missions matters. Absolutely. Positively. Until we then start to say, well, what, what are you giving to missions? What are you doing? Because it matters. Then we get a little bit uncomfortable. Like, well, you know. Missions matters until it costs us something. This matters until it costs us something. This matters until it costs us something. If you ever went to Hallmark, how many of you went to Hallmark looking for a card for something? And, and, and one of those cards, you, you want to get the right card. How many ever went to Walmart, a Walmart, Hallmark, any one of these places with cards, and you went there and you were looking for a specific card that said a specific thing because that person means something to you, Right? You want to look for something. You want to say, man, I want it to really be funny, or I really want it to be this, or I really want it to be that. And you were looking for something specific, right? You were looking for something specific because that person has meant something to you. Now listen, that because happened because there's a condition. That person affected your life, and because that person affected your life, You want to show then that card. Listen, here's the thing. Christianity doesn't give you a because. God says go. God says love. God says give. God says serve. But he never promises or guarantees that we would feel a certain way. Our flesh wants to feel a certain way. We want to we want to get in other words, if God calls us to do something, we're afraid because we're like what if I don't feel like doing that? Listen. We forsake feeling for faith. Now does that mean you won't have feelings? No, I'm not saying that. You just heard from, from someone that's that's ready, they have that feeling, they have the desire to do it, and now they're going to go and do that, right? Listen, I'll fear often overwhelms us and we think that if God calls us to something 
that we're not going to have any feeling for it. Here's a fact. God always equips you when he calls you. He's always giving you the tools. And one of those tools he's given us is straight compassion for the lost. Are you hearing me? Compassion for the lost. When I'm talking about compassion, I'm talking about what Jesus said in, in Matthew 9. Watch this. He said this. Jesus traveled, verse 35 through 38. I'm going to read you a few verses. Are you ready? Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Here's what it says. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news. And that good news was about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, watch this. He had what? Compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers to Europe, to send more workers to Belgium, to send more workers to China, to send more workers to wherever the gospel needs to go. Are you hearing me? Whatever that country is. Here's what I'm saying to you today. Hear me. Hear what I'm saying to you. He looked at them with compassion because they were sheep without a shepherd. They were lost without direction. Do you know somebody that's lost without direction? God is calling you to have compassion on them. And compassion doesn't always have, uh, have to necessarily start with feeling. You know what? The fact that they don't know Jesus, that's your starting point. Let that be your starting point. Don't wait for emotions. I got to get to know them before I realize I have a burden for them. <laughs> that's not how that works. If they're lost without Christ, they're lost for eternity. That's enough for me. Friends, look at me. That's enough for me. I don't have to feel feelings and tingles and goosebumps. If they don't know Jesus, that's enough for me. If they haven't confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, that's enough for me. And it should be enough for all of us. Don't wait for feelings to come. Know that God had a mission. And guess what? If someone, a relative of yours, was on their deathbed and they summoned you, and they said, I want to see you. They told somebody, they, they passed the word, they want to see you. When you arrived at their bedside, would you or would you not pay attention to everything they want to tell you? Isn't that right? You'd be like, you summoned me, you call me, what do you want to tell me? In these last few words, before you leave this earth, what do you have to tell me? I'll just sit here till you tell me. You know what? In his final words before Jesus left this earth, you know what he said? Go into all the world and make disciples. Teaching them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey. Friend, that's the call of God on every one of our lives. In one way or another, you look at that, those entire, that entire passage when Jesus leaves them. Before he leaves them, he tells them several things in that passage there. And in that, we find our calling in one way or another.
Is he asking you? Go and feel feelings. And wait till you feel. Go wait in the upper room till you feel a feeling. No. He's saying do it because in doing in obedience, we will then develop the heart of God. And in developing the heart of God, we will then do the work of God with passion and compassion. Are you hearing me? So here's, here are a couple things I wanted to share with you really quickly. Four convictions that create the heart of compassion. Are you ready? These are real simple. You want to write these down, maybe at the back of your bulletin. You want to write them down. we got a nice space for you there. And four convictions that create the heart of compassion. Watch this. Number one, crowds are full of people. You say, Pastor Tony, I know that. No, 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 no. We look at crowds almost like its own entity. There's a crowd of people there. What I'm trying to tell you is that when Jesus looked upon crowds, he saw souls. Notice, like sheep without a shepherd. He saw them as fragile. Those people need Christ. And so we look at our, we look at our situation, we go, you know, there are times I look upon people differently. I should probably be very careful. Crowds are full of people. The gospel's full of stories, full of stories, where Jesus saw through the crowds to people. Is that right? You ever read something in the scriptures where you said Jesus saw that way before we did? People matter, and it's why he died. Jesus loves people. Prostitutes, drug addicts, abusers, every one of us. No matter where, what category we find ourselves in, good, bad, or indifferent, he still died for us. Jesus loves the unlovable, the untouchable, and on this earth, he shows mercy on all of them, no matter what walk of life they come from. Is that right? Crowds are full of people. Here's my second thought. Are you ready? Second thought is simply this. Everybody matters. Everybody matters. The woman at the well... She mattered. The woman with the issue of blood, she mattered. The centurion's servant mattered. The little girl who died, when he went, prayed over her, she resurrected. Lazarus mattered. Over and over again, individuals mattered. Why? Because everybody matters. Everybody matters. All people created in God's image, everyone we meet today, listen, all matter to God. Some have recognized it, others have not. How many have ever met somebody that you said, you know what, that person's special. There's something special about that person. And then there are other people you've met. That you said, wow, that was different. Guess what? One more than the other. Doesn't matter. God loves them both. Are you with me? God loves them both. And so we find ourselves in this idea that every body matters, regardless of whether you know it or not. They bear God's image. Did you know that? Your coworker bears God's image. Your neighbor next door bears God's image. The person next to you bears God's image. 
We live in a culture that has dehumanized humans. We have objectified people. We need to realize they're no longer that. They're his. Is that right? So when we're talking about missions and missionaries around the world, look at me for a moment. Those missionaries, they're, they're basically going out because everybody matters. Everyone bears the image of the creator. Are they all children of God? Only those that accepted him are children of God. That's what the scripture teaches us. Some people in the world, in Hollywood, right? Because Hollywood people matter for some reason, right? Like, they matter. Like, their opinion, let me say it like this. Let me, be, let me clarify. Their opinion seems to matter more for some people. But honestly, their opinion is just like ours, Right? And they want to say, we're all children of God. Can I tell you that's not true? Only those who receive them, he's given them right to be called sons and daughters of God. Not me. I didn't say that. Scripture. So we are in his image. Everyone was born in his image, but not everyone are children. That should urge us to do something about it. Third thing, everyone has a story, even you. I remember, how many have ever heard somebody's testimony? And you were like, wow, that's a powerful testimony. They were in drugs. They were in this. They were that. They were all these. You could list out all these things. And then they came to Jesus like, wow, that's powerful. That's awesome. And I thank God for every testimony that I've ever heard. But you know what's also a testimony? I grew up in church and I didn't do those things. And I stayed with Jesus. And I followed Jesus. How many know that the keeping power of God is also the saving power of God? Are you hearing me? We want to kind of discredit those that actually serve God their whole lives. We want to be like, oh, you don't have a testimony. That's not a testimony. What do you mean you've been to church your whole life? You need to go out and try something, mess up, and then come back and tell me about that. Hello? Bad idea, right? Let me go do something really, really wrong and illegal so I can have a testimony. What? Who says that? But we laugh at that, but isn't that how we think? That's a powerful testimony. But the one who grew up in church their entire lives that never touched liquor, never touched these things, never did, never did, never stole a single Jolly Rancher. That's penny candy, people. Not a big deal in heaven's world, right? It's not a big deal. But they never even did that. That kind of reminds me of my, my, my own life. There's, there's things that I experienced that my wife has not. Growing up, two different homes, two different scenarios. Where she grew up, where Christ was at the center. Then there's me. <laughs> my... Life, I, I, I was introduced to Christ early in life, but some things didn't click till later. And that's not anybody's fault. I'm glad for my testimony. How many are glad for their testimony? Everything that you've been through, you've got something to give somebody else. And if you have it, you, if you have this, what they call not a powerful testimony, that's a testimony. God's keeping power is awesome. You rock that. Until you breathe your last breath. Praise God for the fact that you did not do those things or, 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 or experience those things. There's less opportunity for you to fall. 
Yes? The less doors you open, right? The less draft in your house. Some houses are more drafty than others. I love this. Everyone has a story, even you. Here's a quote. Frankly, there isn't anyone you couldn't learn to love once you've heard their story. Never underestimate the impact that your mere existence can have on another human being. There is something of yourself that you leave at every meeting with another person. Fred Rogers, otherwise known as Mr. Rogers. You have a story. How about you listen to somebody else's for a moment? Think about that. Sharing your story and listening to other stories. I love that. I love that about life groups. I love that about connecting to share our own vulnerability with each other. Amen? We're better for that. We really are. And some of us don't, not too keen on sharing vulnerable moments in our lives. But can I tell you something? You're better when, you, when you're able to talk to someone and say, you know, I struggle with this. Or I struggle with that. Is that right? Here's what someone once said. Vulnerability paves the way for trust, for intimacy, and for relationship. Being vulnerable is very important. Because everyone has a story. And last thought is simply this. Real compassion shows up in service. Compassion, listen, it doesn't just see the suffering and the pain of others. It acts. It says this. What you are experiencing, God doesn't take pleasure in. Let me know why and how I can help you. Amen? In fact, to see pain and suffering in the world and do nothing may be the ultimate sign of coldness and apathy in our own lives. Can I tell you something? I've been a part of a lot of outreaches in my life. Nothing matters more than to just share your story with someone and let them connect. Now watch this. Nothing changes a life more than the word of God. See, your story may matter to the person and they get their attention, but your story doesn't change their lives. Your story opens the door and the word of God is what enters to change lives. Are you hearing me? So what does that mean? I can have a story, but then have nothing to back it up. Because my testimony will help somebody else know, know, uh, be open to hearing the gospel. But what if I don't know the gospel? So what am, what am I saying? I'm saying know your story, but know your history as well. Know your story, and for the lack of a better term, his story. The story of Christ and why he came. Compassion comes when we realize that there is more to life than me. It's more to life than what I'm going through. Amen? Can I tell you something? Compassion is an amazing idea because we think compassion is great only when it's on us. But when we're asked to show compassion on others, it's a stretch. But when we want it for ourselves, show some compassion, would you? My goodness, you don't even know what I've been through today. Do you know who I work with? How many ever came home and someone said, how was, how was work today? And you were like, you have no idea what I've been through. Come on, somebody. Some of you retired folk are like, thank you, Jesus. Right? Some of you that are looking for retirement, you're like, please, Lord, come soon. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Right? 
You ever work with somebody that you said, Jesus, you need to intervene before I do. I lack compassion. Come on, some of you are smiling at me like, did you tell him? I think he knows. No, I don't. But I know how humans think. We want compassion until we're supposed to show it. Then all of a sudden, earn it. Right? We want compassion, but then when we're asked to show it, we're asked for people, we're asking people to earn it. Well, they want to be lovable? Well, they need to be more lovable then. They want to be loved, they need to be more lovable. You weren't. Jesus loved you anyway. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what am I talking about? When I talk about compassion, listen, there's a world around you you have to be aware of. Church, look at me. There's a world around you that's, that's lost, dying, and alone. And you might be the only Jesus they see. You might be the only Jesus they know. So what's my last thought? We'll throw this up there real quick. A final thought. And it simply says this. Each of us should live a no matter what kingdom attitude. Listen, whether you like me or not, I want you to know who Jesus is. Whether you like me or not, I'm going to love you. And you know what? That's the command he gave us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor when he loves you back only. No, wait, no, that's not the translation. This doesn't sound right, right? Because it's not. Love your neighbor as yourself. And when you do that, you're drawing closer to the heart of God. Are you with me? You're drawing closer to the heart of God. Friends, I know this wasn't a fancy message, but it was been in my heart for the last several months as we begin to prepare for this month of missions. And I want us to kick off on the right note, knowing that when you give to missions, when you're a part of praying for our missionaries, we have a wall out there. Now, a lot of those, you'll see all the different missionaries we support, listings of all the missionaries. You're going to hear from some of them throughout this month. Domestic missions, you know, those in, in, within the United States that we're supporting. And you're also going to, you're going, to, you're going to see other ones that we're supporting around the world. No matter what, those missionaries are all dependent on our prayers to do the work of God. Amen? But they're also acknowledging this. There's somebody that backs me, even if they don't know me. Some of you don't know the names on, your screen, on the screen. You don't know them. Guess what? That doesn't change the fact that they have a mission. And we're supporting them in that mission. Amen? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me for a moment. We're going to pray and ask God to give us the passion and the compassion we need to change the world.